there was a point in which uh, I had to call the, the accountant and be like, what's a liquidation? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Sam King, who is the founder of Flick, a tool for managing and growing your social media, doing over three and a half million ARR fully bootstrapped. Sam has taken a unique path into bootstrapping, first being a YouTuber, then running an agency before flipping it into a SaaS with Flick. There is an hour-long extended version of this episode available on the Indie Bytes membership. Head to indiebytes.com slash membership to subscribe. Now, in this episode, we talk about hiring when it hurts, and Sam sure did feel a lot of pain before he started hiring. But I wish I'd been able to recommend today's sponsor to him, which would have helped out a bunch with design. That is, of course, Figura. Figura offers the best vetted product designers and contractors to give you a hand with your design. They're actually live on Product Hunt today, so go and check them out and give them some love. And finally, Founder Dennis has given IndieBytes listeners a brilliant deal to start you off. Use code INDIE199 to get $199 off to start your project for free. Go show Figura some love, head to figura.digital or hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this episode. Sam, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Good. Hello. I want to talk about your background. You haven't been on many podcasts before. People won't know this unless they've been to indie biz. But you went from YouTuber to founder. Not many indie hackers would have gone through that route. So tell tell me about starting YouTube and and did you think it was something that was going to be a career for you? To be honest, it was always just like a bit of fun. Like I I think I've always been like somewhat creative (laughs) in my life. But I I think after a year or so and a bit more, you know, you you build a little bit of a following, you start getting a couple of deals come through. You're like, oh, actually, you know, maybe there's maybe this has got some legs and maybe we can take it somewhere. When did you start making money from it? I, I think I did my first brand deal when I was about 17 and actually it was with a company called a fan bites. And I think I was their first sponsor and I, and they were my first sponsor. Talk to me about how you went from YouTuber to starting your agency. I guess like at the beginning, uh, YouTube was like this kind of fun thing and I got a little bit of money here and there, but it did very much transition into like, this is my job. I think, you know, there's a, there was at the time, especially, and I think probably still so now, like the, how brands try to work with influencers and, and, and creators, it was, it was very early. So like no one really knew how to do it. So there was always a lab part of me was like, oh, do you know what? I wish I could like make this process better for me and, and my friends. And the main aim was just like, okay, well, let's help brands work with people uh, better i'm interested to know like how you got your first clients for this agency because like usually if people start an agency they would have worked at one before and thought ah we can i can do this better or they would have learned the ropes at once we did have someone that came in more on the business side of things who had some contacts that we could use and and, and lean on a little bit there because we couldn't go to like a a really big company and go, hey, brand, do you want to work with us? Because they just, well, they wouldn't reply to us. But what we could do is is I had some relationships with some agencies and we kind of reached out to some agencies that we knew were doing some work with creators and influencers, but they probably wanted to be focusing more on the creative side. So we ended up partnering with um, Ogilvy, which is like a, an ad agency, Ooh. and then worked with them on some other stuff. So you influenced yourself turned founders of this influencer agency, but then you sort of pivoted that to growth right yeah so with with the influencer stuff it was really really tough to compete we were like a very very small team and we had these really really big influencer agencies that could do you know they had like hundreds of employees doing and we were like okay this is actually like you know it's really hard for us to compete on price here because they've got so much scale there and then a lot of a lot of the clients were coming and be like, yeah, we want influencers. But actually what they were asking for is impressions or yeah. conversions and stuff like that. And they were kind of like putting influencer plaster on, on their big like marketing problems. And we were kind of like, 
we we can't actually help you because what you need here is is something different than this. Like you're looking at, not that you can't get the convergence through this way, but it's like you're trying to do this, but there's a big old hole in your funnel here. And like, you know, so it ended up just being like, actually, well, oh, maybe we can help you run your Instagram account or maybe we can, you know, do this, do this. And, you know, probably not the best thing to do is basically expand your offering. Um, and then, yeah, it was like, oh, we'll help you run your Instagram account or, oh, you want to do some email marketing? Yeah, okay. You want to do some landing pages? You want to do paid social? And then, yeah, kind of. How did you know this stuff? Like you're coming across like this point, you, yeah, we, we know exactly how to do it, but had, had you done this stuff for yourself or were you just agreeing to do it for clients? And This was probably like the the most fake it till you make it things you've ever done. Like we kind of sold it in and we're like, well, look, if they buy it, then we'll work out how to do it, right? And, and you know what? So I basically sat there and was like, right, we've got someone who's paid social. We were going to get a freelancer in, but actually turns out it doesn't really work very well. So I'll do it and, and yeah, to see how it goes. So you've, you've sort of had a trial by fire here. YouTuber to agency where you're just accepting any work doing it and then you sort of made that into something more cohesive and you're earning money all along but then you did eventually pivot into what you're doing now with Flick tell me how Flick came about this SaaS tool that you built while you were still running this growth agency we got to a point where we knew we were having issues as an agency like we just didn't know how to to get it to work we weren't retaining people because it was all ad hoc based like campaigns like let's do this one thing and then like maybe you know do something else in the future and you were learning on the job so. and we were learning on the job so you know we got to a point where cash flow wasn't particularly great so what happened then is we thought about um, well what, what are some of our better options so we tried to bring someone in for marketing so someone to help with more of the inbound leads and kind of funny because i probably should have done that myself but at the time like, we had clients i was like, i was doing that I, was like, I can't you know and yeah so we brought on someone called Loic. so he, he's one of the founders now and he kind of came in as someone to help us with that and when we were uh, kind of doing the campaigns he was kind of looking at like, this like like creator influencer search engine it's like based on hashtags, right? And we're like, yeah, well, basically it looks at a hashtag and it goes on some other hashtags and then it finds who's like looking at that, you know, who's posting with that. So it's like, you know, people would probably like pay for the, the hashtag part, you know, not forget the influence of it, but just like a little tool that helps them find the hashtags. We're like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> give it, give it a go. And, you know, so, so him and our CTO at the time kind of put together this little uh, tool uh, and kind of put it out into the world, work with some affiliates and, and whatnot. And yeah, it got some traction. We're like, oh my God, we're looking at it we're like, so, so it was making about 5,000 a month, you know, at this point. And we were like, how much money do we need to make as, as an agency to make 5,000 in profit? We'd have to have made like 50,000 in sales just to, to get that 5,000 in one month. So we were kind of just at this point, like, well, maybe, maybe we just do this. So we end, what ended up happening is um, we basically kept Flick and I kind of took Flick on as if it was a client of the agency. And I basically was like, right, paid social landing pages, email marketing, you know, we were just we were going with it and... Yeah, it just got to a point where like, there's no way we should continue doing this. So we just, we had to let all of our, well, we didn't have that many at the time, but we, we kind of just like no more agency, cut ties of all the, all the clients, like just that week. And we're just like, let's just do this because if we don't like, there's just, there's, this is just not a sustainable business for us. And it's also not very fun. That first 5k in revenue that you got, was that just from sort of agency clients? Was it other people you were going out to, to... No, so, so this was predominantly through influencers. So this was, you know, people who had audiences, you know, within the Instagram marketing space and, and we had an affiliate program. So it was basically just, like, if you can get people to sign up, 20% of the revenue every single month can be yours. And in a lot of areas, affiliate programs don't really work. Like if you try to do an affiliate program with like maybe like a more commercial YouTuber or something like that, it probably wouldn't go the same way because they're, they're looking more for like a direct payout. 
But with these very niche people, what you get is like, is that they actually know that their audience is going to be interested in this thing. And they actually see that as a way better option because they can have, they can have reoccurring commissions. So every month we had people like earning like basically salaries for bringing us customers. And yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see it in a different world because previously we'd done like Coca-Cola or something like that. And then now we were just like very niche Instagram marketing guru on, on YouTube. And yeah, it was very different. Okay. So it, it seems like it's quite nice flow between youtuber to agency to software because a lot of people will be in the position of i i i'm working a job i've got an idea i've got a product i don't know how to market it i don't know how to get users you've basically just taken action first of all the agency right let's just get people paying us and we'll figure out how to do it trading time for money that sort of work and then you applied what you knew from the agency and growth and as a team of marketers to get your first customers the software. And only when that got to a point, did you go, right, okay, our software's working, it's validated. Were you thinking about validation at this point or was it, no, this is making money and it just makes sense for us to move over to it? At the very beginning, it was, a, it was this has to work because we had to what we at the, had to at the solve. beginning when when you left the well yeah it, when we had this transition period between being the agency and being the software we needed the software money to make sure everything stayed calm in the world of agency and and like everything worked because it without that if we hadn't have made it work i don't really know what situation we would have been in like there was a point in which we were looking at like uh, i had to call the the accountant and be like what's a liquidation <laughs> But obviously it was also very much an MVP. I think actually, if you look back on it, it was probably the best possible way of doing it. Like we really, but I think, you know, there's a lot of people that will maybe wait for the right time to take action. But I think we were just in a situation where we take action or die. So <laughs> it's a good, good motivation if you can stomach it. So how did you go from sort of that transition period, dropping your agency clients and working on the, on Flick? What were you doing to grow it? You mentioned landing pages, email ads. What were like the biggest drivers of growth for you and think people that are listening, what advice can they take to scale their product using some of the marketing you've done? The affiliate program was probably the biggest thing for the first maybe 50k MRR kind of supported with paid ads. So I guess for context, we were getting people to sign up for a trial about four to six pounds and they would convert around 40 to 50% to a paying customer. At least they pay us at least one time. And that first payment was about 15 pounds. So with the affiliate program, it was almost like having your own YouTube channel. These people would rank on the keywords that we needed. But we could never, ever get there at that point in time because it was like, you know, Instagram hashtag tool or Instagram hashtag strategy or grow through hashtags Instagram. But our friend here with 100,000 subscribers who makes videos about YouTube and Instagram all the time and is consistently ranked on the first page. <clears throat> I think probably one of the most crazy moments is a video got like 500,000 views from this, this, this person. And I think we shot up like 20 something thousand in MRR that one month. And we were like, oh my God, what did we just do? <laughs> so there was... Not only was there like the affiliate program, but it was also because we'd then seeded ourselves within a community of people. It was like, well, other people were then because it was useful to that audience. So you've had this big shock of <laughs> income, basically, from working hard, getting these YouTubers, sharing it. You had that month where you went up by 20K. What sort of growth challenges did you, did you then have and how did you deal with them? At the very start of a product, it's just like growth great like more customers, but you don't really know the life cycle yet. So like you're kind of in this position where it's like, 
yes, new people. But you don't actually know, understand yet how your churn works or how people activate on your product or, you know, like what are the engagement metrics that actually matter to these people like when they're using your product. So that all happened. And then we realized actually we have quite a high churn. I think there was a point in which we had like 25% churn or something every month. So that was definitely like a, a pivotal moment being like, oh, you know, this is not finished. We are in still early stage and we we got quite lucky with a decent amount of growth at the beginning. I would say from there, we just really, really, really focused on the product. So now you're at three and three and a half million ARR. Absolutely amazing. Uh, what you've made it, right? So what's more to want? So tell me from now, where do you go? Do you, do you do what V did and go and raise money? Do you step back from it yourself and go and do something else? Where do you want to go with Flick? So I think so. There's a, there's a couple elements to that answer. Uh, the first is like we also had another problem, which is you know we we grew it, but we didn't hire very quickly. So what happened is is it was still. I think just me, Andy, Loic, and one engineer until we hit around 80,000 in, in monthly revenue. But the issue is, is we were like, we are just so, so engrossed in this business now. Like whenever it came to thinking about hiring or anything, it was like, well, we just have to stop moving the product forward to do that. So I think that was probably one of the outside of like growth things, more of as business problems. That was something that was really hard. And we didn't know how to solve because we were like, well, we just have to stop and try and hire more people. So we kind of slowly did that. We still weren't, we didn't go crazy on the hiring. We tried to, We at the beginning, we followed the philosophy of like, don't hire until you feel the pain, which very much came back to bite us when we realized how much pain we were feeling. We had no time to hire more people. Sam, you've been a great guest, mate. We end on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, an indie hacker, entrepreneur that you follow or you're inspired by. So the book one, I think I was most inspired by Shoe Dog. But then if I was to be like, here's a really practical one, it would be Everybody Writes, uh, the, the book I showed you earlier. But I think Anne Handaway, Han, Han, Han something like that. It's all right. I'll, I'll put a link for the show notes. Honestly, like I only listen to two podcasts, yours. And I sometimes listen to uh, The Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett. And then finally, Indie Hacker Entrepreneur. So maybe Beretto on Twitter, who, who does Tiny Host. I always see his tweets. Perfect. All right. Sam, fantastic. Thank you for joining the pod. My first ever in-person one. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Buys. All links to everything discussed will be in the show notes as always. A big, big thank you to today's sponsor, Figura, the best place to find designers for your product. And finally, if you have a podcast but editing takes up all of your time, drop me a message to help you out. I run an editing service called Pod Panda to help you get your time back and fire up your production value. That's all from me. See you next week. <laughs>